Okay, so yeah, we're in. We're back with another episode. Mike, thank you very much for coming on. I'll let you introduce yourself, tell people a little bit about what it is that you do, and then we'll just dig further into there. Roger that, bro. So, uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, I've generally been looking forward to having like a catch-up um, to go over all things um, that's developing in your world, in my world. But, yeah. Um, bit about myself, obviously, GMS and Bootcamp, it's a personal training business. Um, we're very much result focused, obviously when people come in to see us, sometimes they're stressed, sometimes they're overwhelmed, sometimes they're, you know, out of shape and obviously the whole purpose behind everything that we're doing with GMS and Bootcamp is to help people get from point A to point B uh, in a way that accommodates holistic health, um, obviously in the personal training industry. Um, <clears throat> it's a lucrative uh, market, it's a lucrative industry, but um, coaching standards vary and obviously we just want to separate ourselves by just bringing forward the highest possible standard of service for people who are stressed out, busy professionals, wanting to get into the shape of their life and um, so far so good. Um, we've built um, a good little community um, around you know, the team. Um, which is exciting um, and um, we do obviously have like a kind of like a spin-off thing that we're doing as well which is GMSM Theory which is just a platform, a podcast um, just to share positive information things that is essentially yes tied to mindset um, but also self-development um, so um, again it's just been something that's um, kind of went hand in hand with everything that we do with GMS and Bootcamp um, but yeah, um, it's 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 been going for about three or four years now. And yeah. Just seeing the team go, seeing the community go, it's definitely exciting for myself because the whole reason I got into it was just obviously to, to, to have the opportunity to impact somebody's life in a positive way and um, we're not doing too bad, so. I think from a couple of the first conversations that we had together, um, I was blown away at the approach that you guys were taking. I think obviously I've been around the fitness industry and um, business as a whole, and seeing your approach with, uh, with your guys and with, with your clients, it was just really interesting. One of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you on camera is because we've had so many good talks off camera that I actually felt bad that people weren't getting an insight into what you were doing because it was so unique, your approach, um, and how professional the approach is. So I just wanted you to take it back to the start of how you got started with that and how that's kind of shaped, um, shaped the route that you guys took. Um, so to be honest, it was a bit of a messy start. So um, <clears throat> in 2017, I was sat in hospital for about six months. Um, I got diagnosed with type one bipolar disorder whilst I was in there and I was pretty much in the worst physical and mental state that I'd ever been in for years. Um, so just the recovery process of that, um, you know, seeing a CPN, speaking to a psychologist, um, you know, get myself back into a normal routine, getting back into work. It really showed me both sides of fitness where, you know, I had been a bodybuilder, I had been the athlete, I had been the person who's in shape, but then I also started to understand that obviously there is this huge psychological element to getting in shape and actually sustaining your physical health. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that kind of inspired me obviously to get all my certifications done and out of the way. Um, and just get in a gym and just start spreading this exact same message that unfortunately I had had to, you know, kind of learn the hard way at this point. Um, so I started off in Anytime Fitness. Um, for those that don't know, obviously Anytime Fitness is actually one of the biggest gym franchises um, in the world. But um, in the UK, it's not as, it's maybe not as prominent, um, but um, 
landed in an anytime fitness gym it was a very quiet environment so kind of getting things off the ground um it, it was it was um a lot easier said than done initially um, but it kind of all just went from there i had a few, i had a few clients in there initially um, and things just, just grew over the years. It got to a point where I realized that there is this kind of glass ceiling with personal training, where there's only so many people that you can yeah. work with at once. Um, and I was thinking, okay, well, how do I actually break through this glass ceiling so I can actually impact more people at any given time? And that's when I realized, like, if I do want to take this personal training career a little bit more seriously and develop it a bit further, I might need a bit of help. Um, in the sense that I might need somebody to, to come in and, and you know, um, help me, you know, pursue this mission statement, but also mentorship. So um, at the time, I, I kind of humbled myself a little bit and thought, okay, this is a coaching business, but it is still a business. Mm -hmm. um, so if I wanted to, to run and operate like one, um, you know, efficiently and effectively on a weekly basis, I need to have some some targets for myself. I need to have some accountability to doing the right things at the right time. So I actually invested in a mentor and that kind of um, helped me just figure out the logistics of actually making um, the coaching business a little bit more scalable so that yeah. I could hire, hire um, people um, into, you know, my, well, essentially, so I could actually take people on board um, to join, join me uh, and, in my mission statement to, to, to impact as many people as possible. So um, started hiring some um, uh, some people to, to join GMS and Bootcamp and um, just just multiply the amount of impact that we could actually have on, on, on our local community, um, which was good. Um, but yeah. So a few takeaways from that for me there. So obviously taking it right back to the start there, interesting what you said when you were diagnosed in 2017. How do you feel like that's helped shape you um, because obviously a lot of people come to a personal trainer, to a coach, and they'll have, they'll have issues of their own. Obviously everyone's battling things that people don't know about. Mm -hmm. How has having your own battles impacted you as a coach and you as a mentor? Because obviously, you know, a lot of people when they want to get into a new industry will have battles that they have to get over themselves. Yeah. So how, how do you feel, like what advice could you give and then what, kind of tailored approach do you give to your clients? Because sometimes it can almost be an advantage if you've got something that you're having to deal with yourself because you already have some ways to get over things. One of the hardest things I found when I was a personal trainer was if I couldn't relate to the person, it, it made it more difficult to, to give them advice. So kind of how, how have you managed with that? Yeah, um, I think a good place to start was just diversify my uh, sales skills. So I was, I was fortunate that just prior to um, acquiring my certifications, I had landed in a sales job, which kind of taught me the basics around, you know, how to conduct myself in a conversation, um, you know, just having an eye for, you know, non-buying signs, buying signs. So that would naturally lead um, to me being a little bit more influential and a little bit more persuasive when I'd have certain conversations um, around holistic health because naturally if someone's in a position where they don't really take a lot of action in terms of their physical and mental health there's going to be a reason for that mm -hmm. so you will have to influence them and you will have to persuade them to live yeah. in, in a different way um, so obviously I do think having some sales skills helps in that scenario um, because you're a little bit more approachable you're able to hold a conversation but you're also able to, to be hands off to say to somebody okay I'm not going to 
can't tell you what to do. I want yeah. you to come to your own conclusion, but you understand obviously that there's some suggestive language um, that you need to incorporate into the conversation so that that person takes action unsolicited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that, um, that was definitely something that helped. Um, but the main difference that the, the, the personal experiences that I, I've had have had um, in, in terms of how I've Im, Im, implemented my coaching style, it's just been empathy because I, I genuinely believe empathy is just all about understanding somebody's perspective. It's very hard to understand somebody else's perspective when you can't quite put yourself in their shoes. Mm -hmm. So if you're that guy who's only done bodybuilding, only done strongman, yeah. only been an athlete, um, it's all good and well until you've got somebody in front of you who's inspired to do the same things, but they just don't have the same starting point. They have different barriers as well. Exactly. I think that's the, the main thing to try and get your head around is yeah. that when a lot of people get into an industry like the fitness industry, they are very young and they don't have many responsibilities yet. So when you're advising someone to eat chicken and rice out of the box four times a day, that doesn't marry up to having to put food on the table for three kids on a night time because they can't be eating chicken and rice out of the box. Exactly, exactly. And it made me really question um, why is we encourage people to bounce from one extreme to another? Mm. Um, and because sometimes we don't even realize that we do it ourselves. So for example, if, if I was basically just doing something every day or every week that just happens to work really well for me, uh, and then I advise somebody else to do the same thing, that could be an extreme for them because they might not be able to actually take that on board yet as yeah. a responsibility and a commitment for themselves. Right. Um, so I have to meet them where they're at, but meeting them where they're at requires a certain level level of curiosity about how they're thinking and how they're feeling and that's where obviously empathy comes in yeah and um, because there's a lack of curiosity when there's a lack of empathy you're not curious enough about how that person's thinking and feeling is that something that, be that can be trained can you train yourself to be more empathetic do you find um, or are you just an empathetic person for the reasons that we mentioned uh, I think you can increase your levels in of integrity because fundamentally integrity is just wanting to do the right thing. Yeah. If you've got somebody who wants your help um, and it's a person, and it's not a dog, it's not a robot, then you need to think, okay, how can I help this human? Right. Rather than how can I help this this robot? It's somebody who's got the same thoughts, feelings, and emotions as what you do, just in a different context. So the first thing you're probably wanting to do really is just understand yourself so that you can understand who's in front of you. So that's where I think what you guys do is very different to what other people do. So obviously you've taken me through in the past the kind of steps that, um, that you guys do and it's all about understanding the person. You find out a lot of data points on that person. Um, do you feel like that's the key, that's one of the kind of underpinning keys to your success then is, is finding that information out about people? 100%, I mean, it is optional because um, you know, as, as a personal trainer, you're not a psychologist. You're not a you're not a counsellor. Um, you're, you're not. There like, is some personal trainers out there who would disagree with yeah, that that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. So objectively speaking, um, you know, having a level two, having a level three, it doesn't make you a psychologist. Yes. You're not a counsellor. You're not a therapist. But the people that you're working with, um, just as part of the cooperative process they'll actually see you in that light. Mm. So it's within your best interest to have, uh, well, just to hold yourself accountable to a higher standard or even just to have more integrity because that person um, being guided in the right direction is pretty much dependent on how accountable you are to the standards that they're trying to emulate. It can um, change everything about their life. I know mm. that it doesn't seem like a lot to a lot of people 
getting in shape, but actually it can have such a knock-on effect mm -hmm. in someone's life. They can go from kind of taking that attitude into other areas of things that they do in, in the work and the family life. You know, if you've got a um, commitment to getting better, it can easily transfer over. Just like if you start letting things like that slip, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. find that other areas of your life start slipping as well. So you feel like taking that professional approach really helps people in a multitude of different ways. And it's, do you feel like it's a responsibility then? Almost, almost, because like when you when you when you zoom in on personal training, it's like I'm helping someone. They come in the gym, they do a workout, and then they leave. But when you zoom out, it's like okay, I'm helping this person live healthier. Mm -hmm. yeah? And then if you zoom out even more, it's like I'm helping this person understand themselves. If you don't understand yourself, you don't know what you're good at. You don't know what you need to improve. So even just improving your health isn't something that's a coherent coherent thought with your your level of consciousness at that point. So you're thinking well, I just need to live my life. Yeah. Your health hasn't even become a priority yet. So I'm not saying it's a mandatory thing to, to consider things like your emotional, spiritual, um, and other elements of your, your health as a whole. It's not mandatory, but it's a good option to take because when you scratch beneath the surface, you might actually find that the reason why you're not as consistent with your training is because how you deal with life stresses is just not conducive of the person that you're trying to be. Right. So then if you if you kind of retract and digress from actually doing a bit of scratching beneath the surface and think, okay, what are my strengths and weaknesses? What are my core values? Am I actually coachable? Am, do I have a positive mental attitude? Um, you know, um, can I can I be productive with my time when I when I have a lot of it spare? And um, when you ignore these things, naturally what will happen is the process of developing yourself is actually much much harder because it's just an uphill battle the whole way. Yeah, um, I feel like. Do you get the opinion then that when you're dealing with people? It actually, what they come in for, the, the issues that they highlight that they have aren't in fact the issues that they really have. They'll come in and they think that whatever they decide is their issue, X is their issue, but actually it's Y and that you unpackage that for them and that helps them to kind of realise what their real issue is and what's really kind of stopping them from achieving their goals. Well, I, I'm a firm believer that experience is the greatest teacher, right? So if you've been working on a goal for a very long time, the chances are you've tried a lot of different things. We're in the information age, so the chances are you've also got access to a lot of information that's telling you do this, try that, do this. Um, so by this point, whilst you're about to speak with a personal trainer or a coach, you've probably... Um, intentionally or unintentionally, you've probably actually done an in-depth analysis as to what works for you and what doesn't. So naturally, people actually know what they want to do, um, but they're just maybe a little bit misguided because they're not seeing the results and outcomes that they want to experience. Um, so in that scenario, you're not trying to fix somebody, you're trying to enhance what's already there. Yeah. Um, but that requires you to be empathetic because if you don't understand somebody's you know, needs and desires and you normalize them, then you're going to think, right, this is someone who I need to fix. This is someone who I need to mold into this certain character or certain really. They are exactly as they should be. We're just enhancing certain uh, elements of, of their game so that obviously each day, each week, they're seeing a better ROI on their effort and their time. Yeah. Um, so when you when you are in the gym, you're actually building strength. Yeah. Instead of you know sitting on your phone for half an hour. Or right. Hour, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then when I'm outside of the gym, you know, instead of maybe just binging on Netflix, I'll binge on Netflix, but then I'll put something education on for five yeah. minutes or ten minutes or half an hour as well. So it's just striking a bit of balance because the truth is, holistic health is necessary. 
under socializing is dangerous over socializing is dangerous yeah. so say where do i meet um and like overeating is harmful under eating is yeah, harmful of course. so it's like holistic health because of the way the world's moving when you actually zoom out in the UK, I can't speak for every country, every nation, but in the UK, it's a capitalist society anyways. So every idea that meets the surface and then this is just pushed out there in the form of a product or service, yeah. it's so that as a community, as society, we can progress in some way, shape or form. That drives a lot of competition though. So a lot of people are feeling sad, lonely, stressed and depressed just because of the fact that they're living in the UK in a capitalist society, which yeah. means Things are only gonna get worse. We're not just gonna up and press a button right now. We're a communist society. It will yeah. just be capitalist driven. So people's mental health will just gradually, week by week, year by year, it's just gonna get a little bit worse. So do you feel like our issues then are overconsumption? So obviously overconsumption of information, overconsumption of food, overconsumption of things that are essentially gonna be detrimental to you. Is that what would you do then to try and kind of pull that into balance? Because, you know, overconsumption of food, we can put a plan into place. Mm -hmm. Overconsumption of some of the things that we don't even know that we're overconsuming. For information, for, for example, information. So we're talking about people have got a lot of exposure to information now, probably too much. Yeah. You know, people um, fall into analysis paralysis where they've got so much information out there. That guy says eat carbs. That guy says you shouldn't. That guy says fat's bad for you. So are you the kind of the lighthouse, if you like, in the storm of saying, right, come here. This is the actual information. Is that what you kind of, or is it about trying to help someone realize for themselves? Great question. So I think, um, I, I usually like to say to people, the first thing you want to do is try to focus on what you want rather than what you don't. Because the, 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 the hard part about actually changing um, your, your physical health is you have to change your speech. Yeah, because every, every time you speak, you're telling the world who you are. But also, if your speech is like it's not conducive of the person that you want to be or the, the, you know, the things that you're wishing to achieve, it's, a, it's not a bad starting point to mm. start with your full gap vocabulary. Because if you're waking up every day and you're saying, oh, today is going to be hard, I'm not going to train today because of X, um, and, and, and it's just a, it's constantly the person that you are is constantly reflected in your vocabulary, you're not the motivator. You're the person who is saying you cannot do X. Mm. Rather than being a cheerleader for yourself, you've got this hypercritical voice that's saying, I'm failing, I'm not doing enough, I need to do more. And that's why people end up overindulging in information that the hope will help things. But if yeah. you decide what you want, how you get there is none of your business. That's where the universe kind of just steps in and does mm. a bit of heavy lifting for you. Um, but then again, it's your belief system in that. Yeah, because a lot of people don't actually believe that, you know, the universe has a role to play in them achieving their goals. So they'll try and do everything themselves. Definitely. I think that that's one of the issues that people have is that they're so quick to want to believe something because it validates what they've already been doing. Yeah. For example, the early 2000s was the, the era of no carbs, carbs are bad. You're not in bad shape because of anything you've done wrong, you're in bad shape because actually you've been eating carbs and you weren't supposed to. Somebody else takes the responsibility. Yeah. Somebody else takes the responsibility for why you haven't achieved what you wanted to achieve because actually, you know, you haven't actually been doing anything wrong. You've just been given the wrong information. How are you supposed to know that bread was the reason that you're in bad shape? So, you know, people are so quick to want 
an answer or want a fix, how do you kind of combat that? Because you know that the, the true key is education, yeah. knowing yourself and knowing what works for you. How do you combat that when people are living in this Instagram age where they actually want it and they want it yesterday and they're more likely to listen to you if you're saying things that they want to hear and you know yourself sometimes I mean we've had conversations where you've said things that I didn't want to hear but that I needed to and that's why I appreciate you so much how do you feel like that affects you as a as a business person because obviously you've got a goal as a business but then sometimes you're telling people things they don't want to hear which yeah. is difficult yeah um, so it's like um, live your truth by all means but um, you, you, you don't want to be too far detached um, from the truth so yeah. your truth could literally just be a reflection of you perceiving your lived experiences to be good bad and everything in between um, but you, the truth is where you, you kind of have to um, explore the facts um, so live your truth, but don't deviate away from the facts too much. Right. Um, so don't be too ignorant. Don't be too arrogant. Don't be too lazy. Um, so don't deviate from the facts of the situation too much. Live your truth, but also be radically honest with yourself because no one can be radically honest with you until you're radically honest with yourself. So the compliments, if they're coming from a sincere place, it's like, great cool yeah that will boost your self-esteem yeah but if they're coming from an insincere place because people just want to make you feel better yeah naturally what that's going to do is it's actually going to lower your self-esteem because you know your actions how you look how you behave where you go it's not coherent with the advice that you're being given yeah or, or sorry the compliment that you're receiving yeah yeah so it should be there really to to to, to encourage you but you can't live your whole life just thinking that anybody who says something negative about you is a dick yeah. like they're not they might be a dick by not saying something negative to you if they feel like it's coming from a place of like from a good place i feel like having those difficult conversations with people they're the good guys the people who will have the difficult conversations with you they are the good guys and i feel like people want to be surrounded by people who are gonna tell them good things and and just say well that's just your truth but actually if it's harmful then it's harmful. Yeah. It's you can always tell how uh, determined somebody is to grow by how open-minded they are. Mm. Because um, the truth is, in the next decade, all we're going to do is learn some things. We're going to unlearn some things and we're going to relearn some things. So the people who aren't open-minded, yeah. they're screwed from day one. They're screwed not because they don't have a good aptitude. It's not because they don't have potential. It's not because they're not it's not because they're incompetent. It's literally because they're not open-minded mm. to the idea of taking new information on board and understanding that information is there to be utilized so that they can actually make progress. Yeah. Um, and it's not an attack. And yeah. it's, not, it's not something that they need to be reactive towards. But the flip side to that is a lot of us come from broken homes. Some of us um, have experienced, um, you know, horrible, uh, horrible things in, in our um, younger years, in our young adult years, sometimes even right up until, you know, our midlife. Um, so in that scenario, you've basically got a lot of emotional baggage that's tied to the past. So my best advice to people, if they generally do want to grow and develop as quickly as possible, is 
any venture, try and go into it with a blank canvas mentality mm. where you're kind of taking everything that you have experience and just saying, okay, let's just press pause, not press stop, not delete, but let's just press pause because every experience comes with a, a, um, a new belief system attached to it, which means if you have a, a belief system that is so strongly attached to your past, growing uh, in the present moment yeah. now becomes really, really challenging because you're basically attaching um, you know, every single experience to something that's happened to you previously. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of uh, negative expectancy that comes with that. So you expect bad things to happen. You expect that you, you won't be able to trust people. Yeah. You expect that um, you know, things won't work out as, as they could. Um, and, but unfortunately, a lot of the times in that scenario, it's just a reflection of who you are in the moment now yeah. because you're now in the moment, you're somebody who is just thinking about the past. I think as well, you can, one of the issues that people can have is that if they do have negativity that they're bringing into things, they view neutral situations as negative situations. Mm -hmm. Positive situations, they still view as positive situations, but just neutral situations, which are neither good nor bad, mm -hmm. they view them as negative because that's their kind of default. Um, but then I assume that the same can probably be said if people are going into things too positively. Um, one of the things that you said earlier, which I wanted to touch on, is that you actually had a mentor yourself when you realized that you wanted to take things to the next level. From my experience of a lot of people, and especially in the fitness industry, sometimes when people get into an industry like that, when you're the mentor, when you're the person that, people's looking to, that people are looking to, they can actually be closed off from wanting to have a mentor themselves because they think that it somehow um, undermines them as the expert. Like, I am the expert, why would I need an expert? Yeah. How do you think that set you apart? Because it does set you apart. But why did you not go down the, the route of thinking that you are the expert and that you couldn't know anything else? You're the guy who people should come to. And how do you think that it's kind of helped you having that mental attitude? Well, I think the first thing is you have to understand what arrogance can do. Arrogance is overconfidence in your own abilities. If you believe that you can um, reinvent the wheel to the extent in which you come up with a new idea that nobody's ever thought of, um, execute upon that idea with no market research um, and no previous experience to back up that that idea will manifest um, into fruition and you know be successful. If you're so confident in your own ability to that extent, Extent, um, you know, you're probably somebody who has very, very high levels of self-esteem, which is awesome, but you're also somebody who is literally risking, um, uh, well, you're also somebody who's basically lack, lacking some risk analysis there. Yeah. Yeah, so you're not really thinking everything through because you got to remember, um, we're in the information age right now, which yeah. means information is abundant, which means the likelihood of you thinking of something that is just so rare in its nature yeah. that nobody else has ever thought of it, yeah. um, that's actually pretty slim. So The problem um, is I see that more with a lot of people now. I see a lot of people who have that attitude. Mm -hmm. um, the reason they probably have that attitude is, is that in the past, you would never have seen the people who were successful. Obviously there are gonna be people who just do exactly what you've just said there. They have an idea with no market research, they take it to market and they absolutely smash it. Now we know all the success stories because of social media, the world's tiny and we see them. We see the Kanye Wests of the world, you know, the, the people who people think are crazy, but actually they succeed time and time again. Um, 
tell you what we don't see is the self-education and the self-development that goes in behind these uh, artists and entertainers. Mm. Um, because at face value, you just see a singer, you just see a dancer, you just see yeah. an athlete, you just see a coach, uh, you just see a mentor, you just see a businessman. Um, but the self-development and self-education behind that is, is prominent. Not mm. all uh, readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. So the average person, as soon as they leave school, yeah. stop reading. But we don't see the, for every person who is successful like that, the million people who also have the same attitude as them, but who didn't succeed. So we, we don't see, because they don't rise to the top, we don't see them going in with that same attitude and then not being successful. However, we, th we see a lot of people who have been, but it's, it's proportionate to the eight billion people that are on earth. A good, a good, place, a, a good place to even um, uh, start when it comes to like considering whether you need a mentor, whether it's a worthy investment or not is just question how lazy ignorant and arrogant you actually are because the reason why i actually hired a mentor was because one i realized that i was very lazy i was very ignorant and i was very arrogant lazy um in the sense that i was very uninspired yeah by the people i was around or very much uninspired by what i was trying to achieve right. so i was like i mm. need some new inspiration here what I'm trying to do isn't quite working to the extent in which I thought it would based yeah. on my competence and my abilities. Um, so the curiosity kicked in uh, in that regard, but then also arrogance in the sense that if you do think you can do everything on your own, you are most definitely in a situation where you are a solopreneur, you're not an entrepreneur. And for me personally, it's always kind of just been this like, um, this thing that I've, I've, I've said, um, as an affirmation from a very young age, I do want to be an entrepreneur. I don't yeah. want to be a solopreneur. I don't want to be the, the person who has a, you know, a business um, and, you know, it's, it's doing really well, um, but I don't have a community and I, I don't have a team and it's just, just me, myself and I. And you're also I, chained to it at that point. Exactly. You... I, I just wasn't excited by that. Yeah. So from very early on, because of that affirmation, I want to be an entrepreneur. The first thing I thought of myself was, okay, I actually need to be a people's person. I actually mm -hmm. need uh, to make sure that, you know, I'm not somebody who is so overconfident in his own abilities that he can't cooperate in a team. Yeah. So as you can imagine, a lot of um, growth and a lot of stretching has to take place in that scenario, even just... Um, just just so that you digress and say, right, actually, I, I am a team player now. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of work that goes into yourself just to even do that. So, so there's a step there before you take on that mentor where there's, the, there's a, a, a step of competency there where you go from kind of being um, unconsciously incompetent where you don't know what you don't know to then taking that step up where you, you, you're conscious about it. You go... I know then that there's things that I don't know. A lot of people are stuck in that first stage of uh, competency where they go, I don't even know what I don't know and therefore I don't know that there's anything else out there. You know, a, a fool thinks himself to, to be a genius but a genius knows himself to be a fool. So it's how do you get from that first step there that a lot of people are stuck in to going, actually, there's a big world out there and I know a very small corner of it. Right, let's go and get some help. 
because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are stuck in that first bit and they never get to that kind of the consciousness of their incompetency. Yeah, well, again, it comes back to saying what you want because you can grow accidentally. Um, so you can stumble across the right people, you can stumble across the right job, you can stumble across the right career, you can stumble across the right idea for your business, you can stumble across the right uh, partner, you can stumble across the right, um, you know, um, the right anything. But uh, if you decide to grow intentionally, there's no more stumbling. Yeah. You've literally went out of your way to pursue these things. So what was your people. catalyst then? What was that catalyst, that first spark where you went, right, I need to get up and do so. How did you even think to yourself? Because a lot, the problem with ignorant people, you said there that you, you felt like you were ignorant. Ignorant people don't know that they're ignorant. I think that's like the key thing, isn't it? Because yeah. if you knew you were ignorant, you probably would stop doing that. Then, so when did you figure out? We're never immune to it. Yeah. So even when you do know more and you do, um, you know, you are more competent, yeah. you're still not immune to being ignorant because like, the, the most humbling thing you'll ever do is walk in a library and look at every section and be like, fuck no, there's actually a lot of right, information. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even if you are an avid reader, you are somebody who's really invested in self-development yeah. um, and you know just absorbing as much knowledge as possible, that only enlightens you more to what you don't know. Yes, um, yeah. But for me, the catalyst was really, um, just understanding that I do want to be a leader. I don't want to be a follower. I want to be able to think for myself and I, I want to be a free thinker. So that's a very hard thing to do. Um, as long as you have, um, you know, that herd mentality where you're waiting for the government to tell you what to do, yeah. your friends and family to tell you what to do. Um, so for myself, it was just deciding that I want to lead my own life um, and that might might inspire somebody else to do the same yeah um, and then once you realize that's actually possible you just decide that you want to do it uh, at scale yeah um, and obviously doing it at scale can be more challenging that's where obviously you might realize okay you know maybe i do need a little bit of help and support just to navigate things um uh, accordingly but that that for me was probably the catalyst um but it's also the reason why i tell everyone just to slow down like if you if you want to get into business, take your time because you might find that it's, it's, it's going to be better for you to work um, within the realms of a company. Yeah. For, all you, for, for all you know, you might be the highest performing um, individual um, in every company that you encounter, but the worst entrepreneur that anyone's ever came across um, every single time. And that's just because the universe wants you to be an absolute top performer in yeah. the right environment, but the environment that you're trying to create to succeed in business, yeah. you simply cannot create because you're not a leader yet. I think there's a lot you know I mean? that can be said there in terms of, you know, now it's very sexy to be an entrepreneur mm. and people kind of push you down that route. Whereas, you know, a lot of industries, they lend themselves to being a employee in there and learning the ropes and actually you'll learn a lot in that environment but good advice to people would be don't find a job that you like find a boss that you like find someone within an organization that can that you can aspire to be like and try and learn as much from them as possible i think that's probably some of the best advice that you can give people who want to be successful but they don't necessarily know what it is that they want to do yet 100%. i know and you're stop, saying that well, you had the sales job first mm -hmm. i mean people you all kind of potentially even have overlooked the sales job as being the the kind of first thing that you were doing but then actually mm -hmm. the takeaways from that 
into the fitness industry, they're huge. Exactly. As, as well, it's like um, if you if you take a step back, you'll realise that love and passion actually has nothing to do with the equation when it comes to um, you know choosing a, a career for yourself. Love is inexplicable. Yeah, so if you try and explain to someone why you're in love with them or why you love something, mm -hmm. good luck. Yeah. Because it's a very different, difficult thing to explain. We all have a love language. Yeah. But you describing why you love something, usually what people divert to is to start describing their love language. Yeah. They can't actually explain why they love it objectively. Yeah. So love is inexplicable and passion is an uncontrollable emotion. So you don't actually know why it is you are so irritable and you don't actually know and understand why it is you're, you're, you're so anxious um, and so frustrated um, and so energetic. Mm. So you, you need answers to these questions because yeah. you're going to have to explain why you're so animated, you're going to yeah. have to explain why you're not sleeping, you're going to have to explain why you're not eating as regularly. Yeah? Yeah. And you're just saying, oh, it's just because I'm so passionate about this project. But yeah. Really, you're just bouncing from one extreme to another. So you being passionate is slowing the process down because what you could do is be practical. Yeah. Uh, and there's nothing more practical than enjoyment and sustainability. If you do something you enjoy, by definition, it's more sustainable. Yeah. Because you'll do it today, but then you'll do it tomorrow and you'll do it in a month and a year's time yeah. because you actually enjoy it. It becomes like a habit, doesn't it? As exactly. opposed to something that you can't consciously think about all of the time. If inherently you know I am intrinsically motivated to do X, mm -hmm. then love and passion can come back into the equation. Yeah. yeah. Because in that scenario, okay, well, intrinsically speaking, you know that you're hardwired to be motivated, self-motivated, so no one needs to motivate you to do it. Intrinsically, you, knew, you know you're hardwired to do X, mm -hmm. yeah, motivated to do X. Um, but if you're not, you need to start with, it, with what you enjoy because that's not you speaking, it's your soul speaking. Yeah. So it's like, right, I just enjoy doing this. Yeah. I, I don't know if I love it and I don't know if I'm passionate, but I enjoy it. Yeah. So let me list, because it's the information age, let me just see what skills I need to build upon to monetize what it is that I'm enjoying yeah. and then see what happens from that. Remember, that is a huge possibility because of just the world that we're in now. Yeah. yeah? Um, whereas you never used to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. Like 50 years ago. The barrier to entry yeah. was too high. Exactly. So whereas now it's like if you just so happen to wake up one day after having some shower thoughts, the previous day and think, okay, right, I've had this thought um, and it's generated this idea um, and I, I want to see this idea come to fruition in, in the form of a product or a service. The first thing that you have to think to yourself is, do I actually enjoy this or not? Um, not am I passionate about it, not do I love it? Because remember, some things that you're passionate about are just so niche yeah. that you could not scale it even if you wanted to. Yeah. Some things that you love um, are just so particular that you know you you you'll make all of the wrong decisions because you're just so emotionally attached to the thing. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. So you have to think. Okay. Do I enjoy this? Yes or no? And if the answer is yes, then that is a best. If you can just point. do it all of the time, if you enjoy it enough that you can just keep doing it and keep doing it, and you don't have to feel like you're being forced into it, then you've got a better chance of being successful. Because irregardless of what you decide to do it'll be hard. And I think that was a massive takeaway from the pandemic, that people were getting let go of jobs that they thought were nailed on, that they would always have that job that they didn't like. They would do something that they actually didn't like and still got let go in a secure job because nothing's secure when there's a, like, a global economy shut down. Even your job that was safe is no longer safe. So 
you know, if you're going to do something that you think shit and you hate, you're going to, you may as well do something that you love because the chances are that anything is, can, can go away. That you enjoy. Yeah, that you enjoy, yeah, sorry, that you enjoy. Um, yeah, I think... Um, it's a weird distinction to make, right? Because we're so used to saying, oh, I love my job, yeah. I'm passionate about what I do. Um, but when you actually like just just really understand what these words mean um, and you put them in context with your own situation, you'll understand that enjoyment and practicality, um, you know, have to come before love and passion when we talk about business. I can't speak for every industry. I can't speak for every market. But the truth is, it kind of has to come before that. Yeah. Because you could literally entertain a fallacy so delusional so that you say to yourself you love something and you're passionate about it, but you don't <laughs> Right. Yeah. Now that is a really weird position to be in because now you're holding on to something that is no longer serving you, no longer mm. serving anybody else. You're not enjoying it. You're having a terrible time, but you're sticking at it because you. Because you say it's your passion. Exactly. Yeah. You say it's something that you're passionate about. Oh, it's about. my passion, so I have to do it. So I have to do it. Oh, but I love it, so I've just got to follow through. It's yeah. like, hold on a minute. Time will pass anyway. Because so you, you can't well. explain. Because it's a feeling you can't explain. You can you can explain if you like something or not. I can explain why I like training well, how because easy, of how it makes me feel. Exactly. But I can't explain how it makes me feel because that's an emotion. Exactly. How easy is it to explain uh, and dissect something and uh, when you say you enjoy it or you don't? You'll say I I enjoy this because of X. Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy this because of Y. But when you say oh I love this, yeah, you have to understand there is a big difference yeah. between loving something yeah. and obviously enjoying. If something. I say I love training, then that's a lie. I can say that I enjoy it on the whole, but there's times when I'm training where I, you know where I don't love it. Like there's times where I've like trained and I'm being sick outside. I don't like being sick outside. Do you know what I mean? That's terrible. But that's like a So I can't say that I love you might, it. In you its... might, because again, you might love what you get from it, but yeah. you might hate the process. Yeah, as a whole, I, uh, as a whole, I enjoy it. The whole thing, as it comes, I enjoy training because of the way it makes me feel, the way it has a knock-on effect. Sometimes when I'm training and you get a good, like you're in and you're in the flow and you're lifting and it feels good, but yeah, that sometimes it's not good. Like nobody likes that last couple of reps. You can't say you love that whole thing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you like? Do you love your last couple of reps? Joe, it is worth training. You you'll naturally have moments where you'll you'll just totally stop enjoying it completely. Yeah. Um, but what I always say in those scenarios, you have to understand that obviously you didn't leave the womb to not move ever again. Yeah. So it's not one of them ones where you want to give yourself the opportunity to talk yourself out of training completely. Yeah. Because then essentially what you're saying is, I no longer wish to develop my, my ability to, to actually utilize the muscles that are on my body. Yeah. Like that's a pretty dangerous place to be because yeah. like, now we're talking, like biologically speaking, you've got two arms, two legs. Now we're talking about somebody who doesn't want to use them mm -hmm. to prevent the aging process from speeding up. Yeah. yeah. So even if you don't enjoy training, yeah. fundamentally speaking, you still have to do what you're capable of doing, whether you like it or not, because it's not about looks and appearances. Do you think you can be enjoyable doing, do you think you can be successful doing something you hate? Because you, you like the byproduct. Let's say the byproduct of money, which generally it is. Can you be successful doing something that you actually hate? You think this is shit, but you're good at it, and you make a lot of money. Do you think you can like? 
Or is that success? You is can, doing something you hate and getting paid well for it success? You, you, you can definitely be successful within your own right. It would depend on what your definition of success actually is, I suppose. This is where it gets sketchy, doesn't it? Because it's like, well, you do something that you hate and you spend all your time doing it. Are you successful? Or if you do something you enjoy... Outside looking in, that person would be very successful mm. if they're executing. But if you scratch beneath the surface, they would be the app the epitome of somebody who is failing because mm. success is just knowing what you want and working towards it in a way that works for you that yeah. is success a bin man who goes to work and really enjoys cleaning bins yeah uh, and he knows why he's there serving a purpose to him yeah he's incredibly successful um because it's if judging by that definition of success say how much more successful could he possibly be yeah because he's executing maybe not against his fullest potential but what if his he, he predetermined his potential to be that well what if that all way? he wants is to make x amount and work x amount because what he really enjoys is just facilitating a life outside of that that he just just enjoys he might you exactly. know exactly and what if he just so happened uh, to not be exposed to anything different yeah it's like that now is him executing against his fullest potential because he hasn't been exposed to anything else mm. um so that that's why i generally tell people like look change your definition of success it's not money it's not what you wear it's not your clothes it's not the car you drive and it's not the women that you're around it's literally you deciding that you want to do x and you're working towards it in a way that works for you if mm. you're doing that you are very successful um, and it's just the, the problem that people have with that definition of success is it's just a very easy, easy going um, kind of perspective. So all the hardcore entrepreneurs are like, nah, that's not success. Show me your accolades, show me your achievements, mm. show me X, Y, and Z. Um, but these are people who usually end up topping themselves because mm. they're just so depressed or they're just, you know. Well, it's uh, that you can't get there, can you? You ca cannot achieve the end goal. If mm -hmm. the, like, if your end goal is just just be better than everybody else, there's all like no matter who you meet, you will be better than them at something. Mm. Like that's one of the great. That's one of the. It's one of the real weird things. I recently started um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and that was the, my biggest takeaway. That I was like, holy shit, you guys are so much better. Like I, I felt like I had a, you know a good athletic base. You guys are so much better than me at this. Like I couldn't. And it's going to take 10 years to get to where you guys are. And there's no shortcut. Mm. I just got to commit 10 years to it because it's just a, a, a long game of counters. If I do this, you do this, but then I, then you do this, then I do this, but then I know to do this. And it just like kind of continues like that. And the only um, you know, way to get there is to just spend loads and loads of time learning it. And if you do commit yourself to that, you'll never be an amazing painter. So then you go into your first art class and they're like, ah, this guy. Do you know what I mean? There's like, there's literally no way of being better than everybody at everything. So it's like, you do then just have to go right. Do you then just like nail it down and go, this is what I'm gonna be good at? It's, it's choosing just one or two things. Um, Cause at the end of the day, if your perspective on matters is our life is short, you're fucked, you're screwed. You're yeah. screwed. Cause you're, you're the type of person who now is taking things completely out of context. Mm. The average person that says life is short is usually between the age of 20 and 40. 
yeah people who say that out loud they're usually around that age mm. yeah. um, and it's usually as a byproduct of either losing somebody or having something really bad happen to something in the environment and yeah you think, oh my god life is short um, it's a total disillusion to entertain because actually life is really long if you've seen a, a baby and the, ba the baby was alive for just literally a matter of seconds. Uh, and you know know how like, you can have like stillborn um, you know, babies. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, what was the actual chances of that baby even being here? Yeah, yeah so that's like one four trillion, isn't it? That's exactly, with, like, the... right? So it's like that baby even just being alive, yeah. you know, just, just for a matter of seconds and minutes, um, <laughs> is, is, is almost just uh, the, the, the little bit of evidence that you needed yeah. to show you how how um how rare your very existence actually is yeah. so when people say it out loud they don't actually realize what they're saying they're minimizing their 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 own perception of time and that's okay like but how how it serves you is this you now make irrational decisions yeah because you're now thinking oh well i'm running out of time yeah run out of time so every decision is now a reflection of something that you know maybe even it's just a trauma response it's like oh my god i just lost this person now i've got to make sure i make the most of my life it's like yeah chill we don't all die young yeah the average life expectancy is 81 in the uk so if you're in your early 20s you know you've got six decades to go yeah in five to ten years if you applied yourself with a lot of due diligence to just one or two skills mm. and skill yeah. that, it's like, okay, well, where would you actually be in that one decade? I think the problem is, is that people do genuinely, and it's work, it's everything. They massively, you know, with fitness, they underestimate what they can do in a year, but they overestimate what they can do in a month. In business, they underestimate what they can do in 10 years, but they overestimate what they can do in a year. It's always like... The, the, their long-term and short-term goals never usually match up. The, me the messed up thing is you can't even argue with it. If someone said, oh, life is short, uh, it's just it's merely just an opinion based on their perception of time. Yeah. So you can't actually argue with yeah. what they're saying. Well, it's always now. Yeah. I think that's the key. If, so someone, if someone said that, you, yeah. it's, very, it's a very f hard thing to argue yeah. against. It's like, you know what? Because you have that perception, Maybe you're right. Maybe your life is short because yeah. the decisions that you're making, they're compounding and they're leading you towards X. Yeah. So you're bang on the money. Your life is maybe a little bit yeah. shorter than everyone else's. Um, but that person over here who's saying, oh, no, my life's long, he could still die tomorrow. Yeah. But the difference is he's planning for a better future, not in the next two years, but yeah. for his entire life mm. based on his average life expectancy based on the economy yeah. of, the, the, of the, the nation that he resides. I guess worrying, you know I mean? worrying about that sort of thing is just going to lead to anxiety because anxiety is just fear of the future. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, anxiety is kind of fear of the future and, and feeling sad is kind of like fear, like fear of the past. It's a normal state though. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You should feel anxious. People should feel anxious. I think that's something that a lot of people forget. You know, if you've got something coming up, if you've got an exam tomorrow, you feel anxious about it. There's a difference between feeling anxious about something and having anxiety. And there, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist and I don't know what those two differences are, but I know that I don't have anxiety, but I know that I feel anxious sometimes. And I think that's 
It's fundamentally, that's a good thing. Yeah, fundamentally, it's just because anxiety is nothing more, nothing less than a physiological response. Um, it's basically your body's only way of communicating from biology straight into physiology. So mm -hmm. it's like if you're having a great time because of how you look, yeah. it's like you will still experience physiological responses that are just yeah. out of control. So you could be in the shape of your life, have all the money that you've ever wanted, yeah, all of the tension, all of your wants and desires fulfilled, and then be the most anxious person yeah. in the room. Yeah. The only reason why that is possible is because your biology is there to interpret your environment, but your physiology is there to interpret your emotions. Mm. And that's gonna fluctuate all of the time. Yeah. So that's why really, if you want to reduce your levels of anxiety, you start by normalizing it mm -hmm. as a physiological response. Yeah, so my heart rate speeds up, you know, maybe I, I um, I feel a little bit more tense than usual. Yeah. Um, and then you work on the remedies that are there to actually reduce anxiety. So you do a bit of breath work. Mm -hmm. um, you maybe go to a yoga Pilates class one time. Yeah. Uh, or just, you know, just kind of involve yourself in, uh, or just be around people who are just more calm. Like if you're anxious and you're around anxious people. Yeah. Do you know what an interesting one is? I can't quite easily differentiate between feeling nervous anxious for something and feeling excited for it. Sometimes they, physiologically, they feel like the same thing to me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if I tell myself I'm feeling anxious, I just kind of go, no, you're excited. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if you've experienced that. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it is a delusion, but it's one that's worth entertaining because your subconscious mind cannot reject anything. It can only accept what you've said. Mm -hmm. yeah, so people are like, oh, well, what's the point in affirmations? If you say something out loud 10 times and you don't believe in it, cool, great. But what you've done is you've went against the grain of your inner voice. Yeah. So it's not believing in the affirmation. It's just the affirmation in and of itself. It's a pattern interrupt. Yeah. There's a voice that's going on whether you like it or not, on autopilot yeah. and it's saying, you're not good enough, I'm failing, I'm not doing enough, I should do this, I should do that. Yeah. Um, but you just saying it's you, offering another reality isn't it it's exactly, offering another offering a new reality because yeah. your words are just carrying a bit of energy hmm. yeah so and then obviously the way your subconscious mind works is it cannot reject anything it can only accept things what would be so, your affirmation then that you would what's what's something that you kind of feel is a good thing for people to if they don't currently do that because i know a lot of people are starting to come like are starting to do that now how would you kind of give someone advice to implement that. Because I'm probably not that good at it, but then I'm naturally a very optimistic person. So I don't find the half, uh, probably my subconscious mind's going, everything's gonna be fine for you. But like, <laughs> I know that like, sometimes that gets me into trouble because I think things are gonna go well. Um, so what would, you, what would you say then? How would you kind of start embedding? Attach, attach the affirmation to a bigger picture or attach the affirmation um, to a very, very strong feeling. Okay. or attach the affirmation um, to, to something. Uh, I think when, you, when you're saying an affirmation, fundamentally you just have to understand that this is just you repeating something that you actually want. Mm -hmm. Fundamentally that's all an affirmation really is. It's just you saying out loud what it is you actually want to manifest. Um, so how not to do them is say, right, 
I don't want this to go badly. I don't want right, to go yeah. Because then the uni like the, the universe is literally just hearing you say out loud, like, I don't want X, which means your attention is diverted towards X. Yeah. And where your attention goes, your focus does. Where your focus goes, energy flows. So now you're putting energy into what you don't want rather right. than what you do. Yeah. Um, so if I was going to sit there and say some affirmations and I want to, I want to, I want to kind of like start the process of believing in those affirmations to the extent I actually do something with it. The first thing you have to uh, accept is nothing actually comes from the affirmation um, uh, other than a pattern interrupt. Right. Yeah. Um, but that pattern interrupt is very, very necessary so that you can hear what you also say to yourself. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to be able to mute that voice depending on how loud it is. Remember, some of us have trauma. Some of us have had lived experiences that have been so negative, but they've not yet, um, you know, ceased to exist. Yes, yeah. it's still in our environment. We're yeah. still very much um, enriched. Um, some people are still dealing with it. You know, yeah. Some people are still in shit situations. So, you know, sometimes I imagine that they can kind of feel rich if you are in that situation thinking, oh, well, I can say that, you know, I'm, I'm wealthy or that I, I don't have any problems. But the, re the stark reality of it is that I do have problems right now, and they're compounding. Um, do you still feel like there's strength though in in combating that, or do you think it's it's then going okay? Well, what would get me out of that shit situation? I can't just say I'm wealthy, and I can't just kind of go because I think a lot of people like they read the secret and they thought the key is or the secret is that you sit there and you go, I've got a million dollars in the bank, or whereas you know that's not actually going to help. But can you go when I meet people? I'm confident and they feel they they can take that confidence as as competence and they will want to work with me yeah well the, uh, I suppose it would just depend on maybe how you see yourself also like attaching like your own wants and desires and affirmations to something that's outside of you it's very easy to see I'm a self-motivated person when all you're motivated by is what it is you're trying to achieve yourself yeah um, but if you're attaching your mission statement or you're attaching what it is you're trying to do or achieve to something other than you it's kind of harder to quit on your goals at that mm -hmm. point because you're like oh my god fuck if I quit on this I'm actually quitting on this do yeah you know I mean? I'm quitting on the mission statement the the community the team something yeah. that's outside of me yeah um so i think that's a good place to start you'll actually gain a lot of like self-discipline from that alone and um, because all the little things that you were neglecting you're now going to do them because you're like oh first order consequences it affects me but the second third and fourth order consequences are it's going to affect tom dick and how you so the affirmation is what you want most so you you go with what you want most and then you apply that when what you want now doesn't relate to what you want most and then you can affirm that you can say being in shape is an easy one you know what i want now is a mcdonald's what i want most is to be healthy and be in shape so do you apply that affirmation when you want what you want now and so you go a good like, example I, is yeah see i was having a day where i was struggling to shoot some content yeah i could literally just sit there and say i have a duty to educate my audience but if you right. put it in present tense you could just say i'm an educator right. for my audience i'm an educator for my audience i'm an educator for my audience yeah now if you say that out loud you're hearing it so yeah. it's like okay I am an educator for my audience. I am an educator for my audience. So now you're thinking, okay, 
well, am I actually educating right now or am I not? And then when you come across things, you can kind of say, oh, there's an, there's an opportunity to educate my audience. I'm just going to do that now because I'm an educator of my audience. Exactly. And you'll think outside the box as well right. because now you're solving the problem of educating your audience rather than shooting a video. Okay. Because that's totally different. That, yeah. those, those two things are world apart, worlds apart. Yeah. You might not want to shoot a video because it's like, oh, with the mic, the, the, the camera, the lighting, the, mm. the, the, the sound. I would have my hair cut. My hair. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a bad day for facials. You yeah, name yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah. But none of that has anything to do with you educating your, your audience. audience. Okay. So it's like the affirmation, it's not there for you to believe in it it's just a pattern interrupt so that the things that you do believe in mm. are just kind of put on pause temporarily and you hear what you want rather yeah. than you hear hearing what you don't okay that's really useful especially <laughs> as someone who definitely does things on the daily basis that don't necessarily contribute to my overall goal I think that you know especially with the, the shooting content idea I think that's really useful because I think that's a topic that everybody knows now that the key to growth is to become someone that people recognize and are familiar with. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that is through the platform that you have. I think that's, that's what people have kind of realized that people buy from people and mm -hmm. people want to relate to people. Um, so when they see more of you and they get used to you. Um, they know you better, they like you. Yeah. It builds a relationship, yeah. I think there's loads of things, and I think that we could definitely sit here for hours and hours and go <laughs> over, because I think that every time I speak to you, I kind of find out something new about you, but I also get a, a definite takeaway. I think that's one of the good things about speaking to you, and it's probably one of the reasons that you're successful as a coach, because you leave with a, a definite takeaway from that session, something that you can really apply from the get-go. So I appreciate you uh, sitting down with me. Let's 100% do it again. And um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely take some things from that. Good luck, man. Appreciate it, bro. Awesome. Appreciate it.